Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. Yeah, good evening, everybody. We continue then this evening's show because now we're going to focus on the housing development agencies combating overcrowding in their response to COVID-19. And to have a conversation with us this evening is Mr. Lucien Rakhwale, who is the head of land assembly at the HDA. So good evening then. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to The Viewpoint. Thank you, Songeza, and uh, good evening to SAFM listeners. Thank you. Tell us then, please, about the response to COVID-19 that is currently underway in collaboration with, of course, imaginably, the Department of Human Settlements that the Housing Development Agency is engaging. Because, of course, we know that social distancing is one of the key ingredients to fighting the scourge of COVID-19 and the household is one such space where at times it's quite difficult to in fact achieve it, especially in overcrowded spaces or where there are tenants more than perhaps the desirable number in such spaces. The work of the HDA as a result would be that much more compounded by that. How are you responding to it essentially? Okay, thank you. The Housing Development Agency is actually a an entity of the National Department of Human Settlements, and it has been tasked by the National Department of Human Settlements to coordinate the implementation of the COVID-19 response plan. And, I mean, in simple terms, that simply means that we cannot be telling people to wash their hands if they don't have water. So in other words, there are certain informal settlements, including hostels, where we have discovered that there is deficit in terms of the provision of basic services. In certain instances, you find that it's actually difficult to observe physical physical and also social distancing because of the congestion, because of the density of the specific spaces and therefore the task of the agency then becomes to ensure that uh, where there's no adequate water, we coordinate the provision of that and where it is impossible or practically impossible to observe physical and social distancing, we coordinate that either through the reblocking of the specific informal settlements or through the resettlements of a certain portion of this densely or congested or overcrowded informal settlements to what we call transitional or temporary residential areas, and then the construction of temporary residential units. I think the one way of ensuring social distancing, obviously, or ensuring that we alleviate the COVID impact is through ensuring that uh, the current projects that are currently underway we fast-track the implementation processes such that um, we are able to relocate qualifying beneficiaries from these congested informal settlements into completed housing units. Water is a critical factor in the fight against COVID-19, not just in homes, but in schools and especially in public spaces where we are in encouraged to wash our hands quite frequently. Of course, in the home, the challenge is somewhat different because we do know that, at least from our research, that there is a great backlog in the rollout of water and sanitation 
in the homes for the purposes of just living a dignified life. That is, of course, made more difficult by the advent of this pandemic. How have you found the work of the Department of Water and Sanitation within the broader Department of Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation in response to making sure there's a dignified rollout of water and sanitation in people's homes so they can do their bit in the fight against COVID? Look, the Department of Water and Sanitation has been very much helpful in supporting the work of the Human Settlements Department. I mean, I'm sure you would know that we are currently one department and um, they've done a phenomenal job in terms of providing water in the form of water tanks to schools. And I'm sure that you would be mindful of the fact that the Department of Basic Education in particular has been a bit skeptical in terms of the state of readiness of our schools to reopen. And I must say, with the assistance of the rainwater, the department has been able to roll out competently the provision of water, water tanks to schools. And over and above that, I think in terms of the National Disinfection Implementation Plan, from a human settlement point of view, the responsibility of human settlements then becomes to also ensure that public spaces like your hostels and also other inner city areas, the congested spaces. We continuously working with the metros, ensuring that there's mass sanitization and also the disinfection of these public spaces repeatedly. And I think in the context of human settlements, obviously, there is obviously the communal spaces, communal and toilet facilities. So our responsibility then becomes to ensure that uh, those facilities, shared facilities, are cleaned and sanitized regularly now more than ever before. So to the best of your knowledge, you can confirm that all schools have got access to water and all communities have got access to water? Okay. When we initially conceptualized the response plan, that's just after the lockdown, we we then identified, I think in relation to informal settlements, we identified the so-called 29 densely populated informal settlements, and they are located across the country in all the provinces. So we then developed a response plan to informal settlement, and some of them only required uh, additional water service points, communal service points. And depending on the location, of course, some of them required uh, additional augmentation of services in the form of water. And where there is no bulk water infrastructure, we then interfaced with water and sanitation and they they, they delivered that. Uh, in the main of the 29 informal settlements that we initially identified, I think in the area of providing water, basic water at least, I must say we've been successful. And then in the area of sanitation, uh, not really so sanitation by its nature, it's a bit costly but where it was possible to provide additional uh, chemical toilets or sanitation in the form of chemical toilets, we were able to do so. Now, in relation to coverage around schools, I would say most of them have been, uh, in fact, we were presenting to the National Council of Provinces recently. The country is covered, I think, over 80%, but that statistics is there, and uh, we, we can provide you with that. But in the main, most of the schools that required uh, basic water provision, uh, rainwater has been able to 
accommodate and cover those schools. Fantastic. Let's hold on to that thought then. We're going to have to take an ad break. We'll return and discuss the work of the human I mean, of the Housing Development Agency in response to COVID-19 and their work in schools as it is required in homes and communities at large. Please stay tuned. Any questions, please give us a call. 891 My name is Songa Zomabeta. We'll return on The Viewpoint after this. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Songa Zomabeta. We are back. We are live. We're speaking to Mr. Lucien Rakwale, who is the head of land assembly at the Housing Development Agency. We're talking about the work of the SOE, that's the HDA, that's the Housing Development Agency, in combating overcrowding in their response to COVID-19. Just specifically in relation to some of the aspects you were mentioning about water, I'm, I'm still not so sure if whether or not we can honestly say we are winning as a nation the rollout of water and related sanitation infrastructure. And I think you've made the slight concession that from a sanitation perspective, we are far behind. But I do recall that the country was experiencing a drought and many South Africans, communities, whole communities, particularly in the Free State, Northwest as well, Mpumalanga, some of them, and I know from the Eastern Cape where I come from, water is a considerably scarce commodity. I'm just wondering if whether or not it is your categorical position that nationwide South Africans have got the water that they were crying for to the extent that it even required the minister herself, Lindu Asisulu, to say we don't have a water crisis. Would you maintain that position as well, even though you don't speak for the department, but your work as the Housing Development Agency would know if whether or not you're making inroads in that regard. Is your position the same, that there isn't a water crisis in this country? Well, that is correct. Uh, I mean, South Africa has uh, water challenges. Uh, water is scarce. But I think, look, significant inroads have been made in the, in fact, COVID has presented us with an opportunity to really improve the provision of water in especially the rural areas and also the uh, informal settlements. But obviously, the focus of human settlements and specifically housing development agency has been in the area of informal settlements. I may not necessarily be able to uh, comment with authority on whether or not we have ensured uh, coverage, especially in the rural areas. But what I'm aware of is the fact that uh, significant inroads have in fact Mm. been made in in terms of, you know, boreholes, ducking boreholes, and also bringing or taking water in the form of water tankers and you know, providing water tanks to far-flung areas throughout the country. Fantastic. Let's then take some calls for you, sir. Okay, thank you. No, you were going to say, Karen, I don't want you to not feel... Oh, no, I was saying, yeah. Perhaps in the area of sanitation, that's the area where more work still needs to be done uh, in terms of ensuring universal access to sanitation or decent sanitation by our communities, especially in the rural areas. Fantastic. Appreciate that. That's Mr. Lucien Rahuale, who is the head of land assembly at the Housing Development Agency. We do have a caller in Cape Town, and all of you are encouraged to call, please. 0891104207. Susanna in Cape Town, good evening. Good evening. Um, I work with the PHA campaign in Cape Town, um, and we've been working with um, in, in the farmlands of the PHA of Cape Town, where mm-hmm. there are... 28 informal settlements um, intensively since uh, since March the March lockdown and and in fact it was music to my ears to hear um, Lucien saying that 
there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the waterfront. But, but really, I cannot overstate the extent to which we are desperate. There are informal settlements where there are 450 families and three taps. And it's impossible to defend a village with three taps. I'm sorry. You know, um, I wanted to mention, and I want to put this on the table, I think it's a, it's a serious consideration, is that one can defend a village. You can't defend every single household. So you can put a perimeter around an informal settlement, and you can... The community themselves can decide that we are going to defend ourselves from COVID, and you and you protect your perimeter. So the people who have to go sure. in and out to work um, would then be monitored when they come home that they are entering the village responsibly. And so this is the sort of um, approach that has been generated by the communities, but it all falls to pieces when it comes to water supply. There is not enough water supply. Um, and, and I would love to work in a couple of settlements with the HDA in terms of the water supply and, and figure out how we can change our approach. You're not going to solve COVID by trying to implement huge infrastructure responses that you weren't able to achieve before March 2020. But we can, certainly, we can certainly achieve a great deal at community level because communities are ready to work and they are dying for a practice to be able to implement the practical response. And, and we can't at the moment because we simply don't have water. And in a lot of those settlements, shamefully, those, those water supply taps are on a drip system. It's unbelievable what people have to put up with. Susan, I'll propose this to you because I actually am triggered by what you are saying because it does speak on a lot of other issues that this show does speak and focus on, social housing, I mean social justice issues. Could you please give your details to my producer when you go back onto the line? I'm going to get Lucien, of course, to respond to that. I'm going to ask him some follow-up questions, Much but I would want to have a more in-depth discussion with you in the work of the PHA in the Western Cape. Lovely. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Mr. You heard that and somewhat optimistic, somewhat in the end as well, just a pragmatic reality of what the country is faced with. It seems like there's a lot of work to be done. Tell us then in that relation of what you do especially, how are municipalities making land available for the purposes of the Housing Development Agency allowing you to do your work as efficiently as you want. I don't want to refer to what happened in Cape Town last week when Dane Plato says there was a tactical undressing of a man who was evicted from his property, ostensibly because he was an invader. No proof in any of those allegations has since come forward. But the work of municipalities making land available to you so that you can do your work, how easy or difficult is it? Look, I wouldn't say the municipalities are making our work difficult because, in fact, we support municipalities in making land available to them for um, either transitional residential areas or the establishment of transitional residential areas or even new housing. In the main, we assist municipalities, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, Unlocking state land, because I'm sure you would agree with me, there's lots of publicly owned land, that land owned by government, especially your Department of Public Works, which can be availed for human settlement development purposes. But working with the municipalities in most instances, I mean, it, it, it's not actually a problem in terms of municipalities availing land for development. And in certain instances, in terms of our approach to land assembly, we are also able to where required, where desirable to acquire privately owned land that can then be utilized for housing development purposes. 
So I wouldn't say that's a, that's a big problem. But obviously, I mean, in the case of the Western Cape, specifically city of Cape Town, there are too many informal settlements. We've been working on about five informal settlements, your Danuns, your Kailichas, Philippi, all of them. And um, I think the biggest challenge there is the fact that there's just scarcity of land. Either land is not available within the vicinity of the informal settlements or it's privately owned, which then forces us to buy it. Because the nature of our program, especially the upgrading of informal settlements program, is such that we would prefer not to, you know, um, disturb or disrupt the already existing uh, established social networks. So in other words, what I mean by that is that we would prefer to, as far as possible, not move people far away from where they are currently residing or staying, but we would prefer Mm. to rather accommodate them within the in close proximity to where they are currently located so that um, there's minimal disruption of the already established social network. On that point, because I do want to follow up on that, because this is also some of one of the challenges, at least in the Cape Town area, that Mayor DeLille was trying to fight, the integration of social housing in your established communities where there are established services and established infrastructure and access points for socio-economic spaces. How much of that then is incorporated in the work of the HTA? You might find that, I mean, Spluma, I understand the challenges that that poses and the non-availability of land, as you've just conceded. But the inner city of many of these metros, there are vast amounts of space or public property or public land that could be converted for the purposes ultimately of dealing with the kind of mandate that the HDA has. Have you guys met any challenges in relation to those established communities in relation for integration on social housing? Yes, we, we have actually experienced challenges relating to social integration. And in fact, there's been resistance from some of the um, neighboring communities in the area. You know, the, the difficulty basically is around the Nini syndrome or not in my backyard. But how we are addressing that is that we've identified lots of publicly owned land in and around the city of Cape Town. Publicly owned, I also mean land that's also owned by your state-owned enterprises. We've been to cabinet. We got cabinet approval for the release of this well-located uh, publicly owned spaces. And some of them even have CVU. And we're going to be utilizing them to try and ensure that we transform the spaces because one of the big, bigger responsibilities of human settlements, the human settlements department, is to ensure that we transform the spaces. We integrate our communities so that uh, we can then decisively be able to deal with the apartheid geography going forward. Fantastic. So, Mr. Lucien Rakhwale, let's leave it there. The head of land assembly at the Housing Development Agency telling us the work that the agency has, particularly precipitated by the advent of COVID-19. We appreciate your thoughts, as we do those of Suzanne in Cape Town, who will for sure very soon return and tell us more about the work of the PHA in that region. Let's take a break before we continue this evening's show.